Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, and I am so glad to be here with you again for this week's episode, which is another interview in my series called Getting Real with Women in the Middle. Getting Real introduces you to real-life women in the middle who have made a big, scary change and figured out how to love their midlife. Now, you may recall that I described the Women in the Middle podcast as really practical, authentic, and real. That's why I love the Getting Real series so much. Real women, real life. All right, let's get going. I am super excited to introduce you to my guest today. She's someone who's made a really difficult decision to sell her successful retail contemporary art gallery of about 20 years to pursue a career in her original area of professional interest, interior design because she knew it was time for a change. She didn't know decision-making like this could be so hard, and has, she just has so much to share. So on that note, please welcome Sara Petrov. Sara, thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure, Susie. All right, now, you have quite a story to tell. Please let us know what was going on in your 40s. 40s was like the rat race where you have the blinders on. I had um, kids starting at 30. And so my kids at this point in my 40s, there were bar mitzvahs. There was there were the beginning of high school. There was lots of change, lots of... Uh, like chaos, basically. Chaos. <laughs> Aging parents, growing kids. It was just a lot to juggle. And uh, working full time as an entrepreneur, they're really... Um, there's every ball that you could possibly imagine is in the air. And especially at 40, there's just so much you're juggling. So when you were in your 40s, you were kind of already into a business for over 10 years, right? So 10, 15 years? Yeah, I bought the gallery um, literally at 27. It was at a moment when my life changed dramatically. I bought it just after the passing of my mother and um, just put blinders on and felt like, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I, I tuned out to everything else and kept going. And when I had kids, I literally strapped them on my front or on my back and kept them with me until they could roll over. And then I put them into daycare. Like it, you do whatever you have to do. I didn't have a mom and, and you just, you just work, work, work. And um, it sounds kind of like um, that decision to dive into this business really helped you um, r- grieve, really grieve and move forward. Actually, I'll tell you honestly, it completely diverted me. I, I didn't realize that until I sold the, the business. When it came time to, to make that decision, and that was also a, a difficult decision, Twenty years later, it it was a um, the couldn't I couldn't believe how difficult that decision was, and I didn't realize how much of it was rolled up with that grieving that never actually really happened. I didn't realize that I had just all those stages that they talk about that you go through. 
you still go through them even if you put it on hold for 20 years. So that's what happened. It actually didn't help me. It 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 kind of just ne- put it off. That's it helped it. you it, it helped you put your head in the sand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting because a lot of the women in the middle who are listening have told me that uh, once they've been in a job for, you know, a couple of decades, there's just so much going on and so much that they're unaware of that's going on. And mostly it has to do with their own needs. They just have had their head to the grindstone, uh, been just going through life, this chaotic phase of a couple of decades, which um, it really is in your 30s and 40s where you're trying to establish so much for your family. And then all of a sudden they get to this point, which I call a midlife funk. So I know that you hit the funk. Tell me a little bit about how how funky it got for you. I hit the funk. I hit the floor. (laughs) Hit a wall. Um, When it's it's true, like you you focus so um, myopically during that time just to to get through every single day that you don't realize. bigger horizons and possibilities that are still out there and available to you. So my funk really happened when um, when we made the decision to sell our business. Part of it was um, just time-based. It was 20 years. Our lease came up. We had to make a decision. Do we stay? Do we move? And so that started the thought process. We also saw that there was a, a big... Um, um, transportation thing happening on this major thoroughfare where we're, where our business was. There was a um, uh, an LRT that was going to be um, under construction for the next five to eight years. Yeah, and public transportation can really uh, affect businesses oh, when you're on a main drag. Huge, huge. And, and um, you know, most, especially when your business is a walk-in business, it's just, it, you know, it's, it's, it makes a huge impact. So we had to make a couple of decisions. And then I also realized my husband and I worked together for about uh, 14 of those 20 years and uh, very successfully um, in both, you know, our marriage and our business. Uh, But I also knew that he was really not not uh, fulfilling his full potential either. And that, you know, when you see somebody you love who's not really flying as high as they could be. You really want to give, a, give them that, that kind of freedom. And I said, you know, I, I've done this. I've, I've done this for 20 years. I've fulfilled this dream. I feel very satiated with it. And um, we are still young enough to regroup and, and re-gear and find our new paths. So, you know, it's, it's one thing when you, when you jump careers, when one person in the relationship jumps a career... It's scary when two people at the same time jump out of the same airplane with no parachute. It's terrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. So tell me, before we get into the free fall, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how long this funk lasted. Oh. Because <laughs> I know when it happened, when it happened to me, I was in a funk for a good five years. So what, when you reflect on it with, you know, in hindsight, when you can see so much more, maybe mm-hmm. it started out with just an inkling of a thought. And then the lease notice came, like, who knows? But how long do you think you were feeling funky? Oh, boy. Um, I would say 
a year before we sold, um, as soon as we started that thought process, feelings of failure started to creep in, which, if you think about it now in retrospect, is, is ridiculous. When, when you have an entrepreneurial business in the arts that has thrived for 20 years, enough that you can actually sell that business, uh, it is not a failure. But when you are subjectively in that situation, you, you can't help but feel that what I have built is all now coming, it's all, it's all crashing. Um, so we, I would say a year before and two years after, the, there was a full year after selling, a full year that I, I refer to as television static. I don't know whether you, you know, when you have that white snow and that was a year. And uh, so I would say in total, there were about three years that were funky. Yeah, that's so that's so interesting because um, it is a new beginning. And as we, we talk about this all the time on this podcast, that mindset is everything. And really, you're just one thought away mm-hmm. from feeling completely differently about anything. And so uh, this really is a new opportunity. The thing that is neutral is that there's a date of an actual sale of the business. And then what you make it mean is completely subjective. And so you eventually got to the other side of it. And so tell me, once you decided, what was it like to actually decide and see that opportunity was everywhere? How, what, what was that all like? Well, you, you know what? Uh, honest, quite honestly, I didn't see that opportunity was everywhere. People around me saw that opportunity was everywhere. And I had a, a great support network of people who could see in me things that I was blind to. And in my mind, um, I was having thoughts like, what could I possibly offer? What could I possibly do now? I'm washed up. What, I, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing else that I could possibly do. And, which was a debilitating thought. Absolutely debilitating. And, but people, all my friends around me said, are you kidding me? You are incredibly talented. You are incredibly smart. You're incredibly capable. This, this, and that. Like, and, and they, um, they buoyed me through that mm-hmm. until the light started turning on for me and I started to realize, okay, you know what? I can, I can do this. I was actually blessed with a first client who didn't realize that she was actually my first client back to uh, interior design because I was a designer before I bought the gallery and then 20 years later coming back to the industry, she didn't realize that she was the first one, but I realized after that God blesses you in one way or another with the sending you the right people. And this was somebody who was just incredibly understanding, incredibly, it was just a great first client. And from there, it just hasn't stopped. I've been, every time I start to wrap up a project, the phone rings with another two people. (laughs) There's so much about your story that I love. So the first thing is that what you're describing as um, not realizing your gifts is so common with women in the middle. And I, you know, the reason for this is complex, but one reason is, is because we really, at our age now, we really haven't been focusing on ourselves for a very long mm. time. 
So if it, um, you know, it's really branding yourself and understanding what you have to give no matter your circumstance. There's a big shift for many of us where we're going from being employed by somebody else or just doing one thing as an entrepreneur for 20 years. Um, but you really don't think of yourself naturally outside that situation. And um, really getting to know, becoming very uh, intimately connected again to who you are at your core and what your core gifts are is a transition that's very common in midlife. And I can see the way you're talking about it. You needed to become reacquainted with who you were at your core, and you didn't see it at first. And once you became introduced again, the floodgates just opened. I just love that part of your story. And the other thing that I think is so fascinating is that what you originally loved is what you still love today. And it's what you came back to. And it sounds like it's full-blown creativity as an interior designer. Yeah, any any form of design. I have always been uh, a completely creative problem solver. And um, aside from all of the, you had a word for it, it was it was like my uh, the administrative, Administrivia? Administrivia. <laughs> yeah. Aside from administrivia that we have to do in all of our businesses, um, just creative problem solving is really my forte. And it's my passion. And it is uh, it, um, every, every space I walk into, I can't help it. That's what I see. It's what I think. It's what I, you know, how would I make this better? How would I change this? How would I, you know? Um, and it, and it, it has been incredibly life-affirming to realize that what drove me as a youth, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it, is, it is who I am at my core. And um, it's incredibly gratifying to realize that your skills are recognized and that you can, you know, it's not about the name. It's not about. It's not about the um, the status. That was a huge one to leave with the gallery. Just when it's just you and a pen and a paper, you're. It's like being on a yoga mat. You know when you. <laughs> uh, I don't know that actually, <laughs> and we've talked about that here in the podcast at how yoga pants can can be a way for you to hide <laughs> your weight gain. <laughs> That's all I wear are yoga pants. Yes, you're not alone. We had an, a whole episode on that two weeks ago. <laughs> and actually what you're talking about now is something we started to talk about a little bit last week in the podcast. And, and I talked about my marching band jacket and some of the things that were so important to us in our youth. And when we take another look at it now, as an older and wiser woman in the middle, you can see so much uh, about why those initial things that we loved and were fascinated with and attracted to in childhood still hold fascination today. And I'm sure when you look to your childhood and you look to your what you studied in school and what some of your initial ways to occupy your time were when you were a young, you know, you're still young, of course, but, uh, you know, a, a youth... <laughs> You'll see that you've you've kind of done a full circle here and you're pulling in more and more and more of the kinds of things that you were just so in love with um, the way you spent your time when you were younger. But but getting there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but getting there. Um, I, I do want to I do want to say that during 
during that funk and when you're going through large change in your life that um, those those very uncomfortable choices and spaces that make you want to run the other direction is exactly what you actually have to turn and get and walk right through. You actually have to, that which you want to run from the most is really what you have to turn and go through. Oh, I love that you said that because um, my what I was going to ask you was, you know, what would your future self tell you now? What kind of advice do you have to women who are freaking out about uh, they're on the brink of doing something scary, but in their heart of hearts, they they're drawn to it. So what is that? What what is the thing that helped you keep moving forward you when you were facing some of the most fear that you've ever experienced? Um <clears throat> I'm going to have to tell you honestly, I think it was, it's a compilation. It's a compilation of introspection, uh, honest introspection that makes you realize, you know what, I, I actually can do this. And uh, people around you who are very supportive, therapy, meds, whatever <laughs> it takes. Like what it, Seriously, whatever yep. it takes to get through, because it's not easy. Going through major change, whether it's the loss of someone you love, it's a loss of a job, it's a loss of, there is a sense of loss, no matter how you structure it, there's a sense of loss. So there's this grieving process, and and a sort of a a reawakening of yourself. Um, And being, uh, what would I tell myself, you know, it's being very kind to yourself, like, you know, there's, there's an exercise, what would you say, if, if you were to find yourself at five years old, and in the same scary kind of situations, what would you tell your five-year-old self? It's no different, you know? You're, you're... Exactly. That's something that um, that is a real thing when I work with my clients when they're being hard on themselves and and just choosing to think thoughts that are really mean. <laughs> and I say, what, what would you tell a little kid in your life right now? What would you tell them and what would you tell yourself exactly? So you wouldn't continue to be mean to yourself. You'd be encouraging. You'd be compassionate. You'd be loving. And one of the questions that I often ask people to consider is what is the solution with love? What is the solution with love? With love. What, does, what would love do right now? If you added love into the equation mm-hmm. when you're freaking out, it's just, you know, when, when we think about being compassionate with ourselves, we still have a little bit of resistance, a little bit of resistance that we're not worth it, or I'm a delicate flower and my situation is a little different, or come on now, that works for other people, but not for me. But somehow when you ask the question about, well, what would love do? It, it kicks it up one more level and it detaches you a little bit from mm-hmm. uh, sometimes victim mentality. <laughs> I think it change, it changes the lens more than anything, so that you know when you when you um, see the world from a position of of fear and um, insecurity, questioning, uh, you know that that fear of the unknown and that terror, you uh, are closed off to opportunity and you're closed off to possibility. When you use the lens through uh, of love. from the same situation that you're in so much more is open to you so much more is possible you know it's it it changes the funnel so that instead of um 
coming to an acute angle because because there's only so many things that you can do and you've like hit your peak it opens it the other way where you're starting at a at a point and you are open to to anything it's amazing isn't it how much opportunity you have right now things you couldn't ever have expected is my guess yeah yeah i've i'm i'm actually um, on the cusp of possibly yet another career move, which would would be um, sort of an amazing next progression of uh, that would allow me just to to just focus in on what it is that I love to do on my terms, on the number of days a week that I want to work. So leaving me time to do creative work of my own, like it just I I if you're very clear with yourself. And you say, you know, I've got fewer days ahead of me than I have behind me. You become far more precise and clear about what your objectives are, what you're willing or not willing to tolerate, and um, not needing to please other people. That you realize, you know what, I, I, at this point, I'm doing this for myself, and the amount of enjoyment is much more. I... It's shocking. Yeah, it is and shocking. this, my friends, is what I call regret-proofing your life with gusto. Because if you don't reconnect with your core, your authentic self, and now some of us have a harder time finding the clues of what that is, but if you don't, you may, in fact, have regrets. And what I hear you saying is that you are ready for just about anything that comes your way with a creative, a giant creative energy and um, an excitement about your life after 50, which is what I love, love, love to hear. So, Sarah, how can people see your work and contact you? You can take a look at PetroffDesign.com. I have a web page. There's also a house page. I'm sure if you look hard enough, you'll find it. Oh, they won't have to look hard. I'm going to put these links right on my show notes. <laughs> Don't worry. Sarah, thanks so much for sharing your story with Women in the Middle. One thing we know for sure is that we are not alone and we're not getting any younger. Fear can be a big obstacle when it comes to decision-making. There's so much more that we're capable of, even though it can be scary as hell. Your story was really inspiring, and I know it will help so many listeners. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, just head over to the Women in the Middle podcast on iTunes and leave me a review. You know that makes me so happy. Check out the show notes for Sarah's links and more information at www.susierosenstein.com. Let's do this, ladies, one scary but exciting dream at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.